Well, what's up, guys? We are getting into January already, and uh, it's getting cold here in Jersey. Hopefully, some of you guys in other parts of the country, it isn't nearly as cold. But we have a cool episode for you today. It's something that I really like talking about. Um, so many rehab chiros that I am talking to that are either in school or have graduated have considered purchasing chiropractic practices. And I've seen this, you know, good, bad, and ugly. And I think one of the issues that people run into, which we're going to talk about, is they're a rehab chiro coming out of school and they buy a traditional practice. And now what? What do we do? How do we transition it? Can we transition it? Do we transition it? So uh, that's what we spend the time in this episode talking about. Um, If you have any questions or have any interest in our programs, Cairo Biz 101 or um, or our CRM program, which we've launched uh, in the last couple months, you know, please just reach out to me, coaching at strive to move.com. And please like and share this. We it's the only way that this gets out to people is if we share it with people. And it seems like, again, it's having an impact. You know, I don't run ads on here. Uh, I don't like sponsor things on here. So the only way that this podcast grows uh, is if you guys help me grow it. So if it's provided any value to you, I would really appreciate it. Please share it on your Instagram, send it to your friends, uh, post in a group that you run. I'd really, really, really appreciate it. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Business School for the Rehab Chiropractor. Class is officially in session. My name is Justin Rabinowitz, and I am a rehab chiropractor on a mission to teach you, a fellow rehab chiropractor, the exact tools and systems I've used to build my own successful rehab chiropractic practice so you can do the same. I hope you enjoy, and please subscribe. All right, so here is the email that I received. had an idea for a podcast topic, almost a case study. I am in a situation that a lot of newer docs face, as well as working with a doc who might want to retire and exit soon. I was connected with a Cairo who was looking to semi-retire in the near future, going from working three days a week down to two while selling his practice in the process, hoping to stay in the office just to treat his patients he's been seeing for years. He also owns the building and rents part of it out. Um, blah, 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 blah. There are a lot of other things here. Um, he also has blueprints already made to dig out the back uh, with private bathrooms and potentially build out for a previous doc he worked with that wanted to do rehab, but that doc, his son, decided to move on to his own space, which I think is important. We'll come back to that. The building is standalone. Um, I won't give away the location so that we don't give away the guilty parties. He has been practicing since the late 80s and has been known as the sports guy, quotes, uh, zero actual rehab. He's still athletic himself and sees sports injuries. He's very skilled and aggressive adjuster and other docs with much softer touches, which is basically what he's built his practice on. He does a mixture of insurance and cash. He treats 12 hours a week. He does zero marketing. Uh, I asked him about his Google My Business page when I first started to update the hours, and he said, what's Google My Business? His practice is 100% word of mouth. He does all paper notes. He has one admin who files insurance claims, and they have horrible customer service and no training process. His prices are still from 10 years ago. He has two LMTs, and his new patient exam is 80. The question would be, when taking over the practice, uh, that's more of a rack'em and crack'em five-minute appointments. How would you handle the transition? And then there was another email just to kind of finish it off. Um, one last question reg- regarding branding and marketing. Uh, his clinic name is the name of the clinic, and it's been there for 30 years, so every person in the community knows it. Um, and obviously, the person buying it wouldn't be that person. Would you change the name? All right. So there's a lot here. Uh, a lot here, a lot here, a lot here. Actually... This is one of my 
favorite topics, believe it or not. I actually really like talking about the buying and selling process of a practice. And um, I think I've mentioned it in in some of my tweet storms or my Instagram stories, whatever the hell they're called, that uh, last year I purchased a practice from a Cairo similar to this. So I do have experience here which I can share a lot of insights on that. I've also now in the consulting business helped multiple people purchase practices. Uh, one of them was a very similar style practice, small one-person practice that not necessarily rehab, insurance-based, but we helped walk that person through that practice in Philadelphia. And then recently we had two of our members, believe it or not, buy a personal injury clinic in Florida. And so an interesting mix of this and... Um, in addition to that, we've also done consulting work, and I'll give a shout out to Hannah Matheson, our marketing director. She's also consulted with uh, P- cash-based PT practices that have purchased practices and kind of implemented marketing systems into their practice. So uh, we do have a lot of experience with this buy and sell thing. And also, as I started to get more into doing this and people were asking more questions about the purchasing and selling of practices, I was connected with a, an attorney who works really mergers and acquisitions in in acquisitions of healthcare practices. And so I did a consult with him and got some information about what people were looking for in purchasing and in selling practices. So I got, I gained some insight there as well. So we go back to the email. Um, First of all, it's a very, very classic case. And I guarantee my listeners, uh, there are many that are in this position who they might be graduating and they want to purchase an established practice but they they want to do rehab and the practice is old school. The guy graduated in the seventies or the eighties or something like that. And the practice is, um, you know, it's, it's a normal practice. You know, it might not be like, I'm trying to cure cancer with a subluxation, but it's also, you know, not what we would consider to be, you know, best practices in 2023. And so what do you do? And so I guess I'll just experience share my story first. So in 2021, I was connected with a local chiropractor in town who reached out to me and initially called me because he wanted to sell his building. Um, it's basically, it was a one, it was one of the units in a office complex, which is an HOA uh, facility. And so I did a real estate deal with him. He also is a, he's a chiropractor. And so secondary to that in a separate transaction, we negotiated a purchase price on his practice. Now he graduated, I think in the late seventies. So you can imagine like what his practice looked like and um, not to go into the details of, of much about the practice, but I'll just tell you what we did because what do we do? So we have a very well-established rehab chiropractic practice that is, you know, has been going strong for quite a few years now. We spend an hour with patients. We have a specific process that we put people through. And so now we inherit a book of business from a quote unquote old school Cairo that what the heck do we do with it? Right. What do we do with it? Which is kind of like the question that was being asked uh, in this email. And I think your answer might surprise me. And so when we decided to purchase this practice, what I told my team, and they were saying, how are we going to get them to the rehab? They just want to get racked and cracked, and they want to do flexion distraction and stim and all these different things. And, um, you know, as I've learned through speaking with mergers and acquisitions attorneys, through my CFO, who used to be in hedge funds, um, 101 of any acquisition is at first change nothing. Let me say that again. At first change nothing. This might surprise you to think that the rehab guy would say that, but again, above being a rehab guy, I want to talk about business. 
And I've seen many, many practices, multiple practices that haven't done that. And so they graduate school and they want to do rehab, but they don't want to start from scratch. So they purchase an existing practice from an old school Cairo. And they do that and they immediately stop doing or stop marketing to the type of patients that they built the practice for. And the problem is, if you were going to do that in the first place, you shouldn't have bought the existing practice. What's the point? You're paying for something. If you're paying for a practice that operates in a certain way, then you should buy that practice knowing that you will, at least for a period of time, have to operate it so that you can pay the loan off and get something back from your investment. And so we purchased the practice, I think, in like November, and we had a very specific onboarding process to transition that doctor out and transition our team in. And then from November through the beginning of next year, so essentially, I don't know, I'll call it eight weeks, I told my team, do nothing. Do absolutely nothing. Just get these patients to trust you. That's it. That's all I want you to do. So if we're buying this book of business, my goal, I told the team, was to keep 80% of the customers. Keep 80% of the clients coming in. And if we could do that, and we could gain their trust, we'll have a conversation in the winter about what to do next. And so that's what we did. We executed on it, and it went exactly as planned. Yeah, we lost a couple, but we kept most people. We kept 80% of the patients. And then... End of January, early February, I sat down with the team and I said, all right, guys, tell me how it's going. They said, it's going fine, but it's obviously old school. We're spending a little bit of time with these people. Most of them just want rack and crack and it's just maintenance care or whatever the heck they're doing at this point. Um, and I said to them, all right, are there any people, are there any people on their schedule that you think would be a good candidate or a good fit for what we do? And it was a very small practice that we purchased. And so they, the team said, yeah, it, it would be probably three or four of them. And so basically, we looked at it and we said, all right, so for those three or four people, let's develop a sales plan and process around them to help introduce them to what we can do and how we think our solution, you know, our rehab chiropractic would be a benefit to them. And so we didn't throw the other ones by the wayside. We just didn't sort of sell to them on the thing that we didn't think that they would want or need. And so it was, it was quite simple at that point. It's like the, the biggest thing in sales and marketing is to actually sell and market to people who you have interest in buying. And so we took our list and sort of parsed it out and said, who are we going to focus on here to be able to sell the rehab chiropractic to? And out of that, you know, remember our, our care plans could be three, four or five grand or something like that. So if we got three of those patients to get across the line, you know, we made an extra five, ten thousand dollars 15,000 bucks off of these patients. And so to this day, you know, a year later, we still have a few of these patients that are on as regular clients, but we don't really do much to maintain other than treat them well and do that. We don't have a marketing campaign around it. We don't pursue more clientele like that, but we had a very specific plan, which was in the beginning, do nothing. Don't change anything. We just got to get them to trust us. And so my first piece of advice for you guys that are thinking about buying practice is you have to intellectually get to the point to think, all right, what got this practice here to this valuation that I'm buying it at, I got to do some of it. I got to do all of it for a period of time or else I'm not going to be able to pay back the money that was owed. And if I really can't see myself doing what was previously done, I shouldn't purchase the practice. Let me say that again. If you can't foresee yourself doing what's already been done for a period of time, you shouldn't purchase the practice. Don't expect people to change. Most people are going to feel comfortable and want what they want. So now you're a new Cairo coming in 
And the, they're so, first of all, their world is shook because they've seen the same guy for 30 years. And now you come in, guns a-blazing, you try to raise prices, you try to tell them that what they've been doing is bullshit for a long period of time. You want to do rehab with them. And all of a sudden, they all leave. You know, you would think that's crazy, but it's not because I've seen it happen multiple times. It's happened a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of times. And so step one, when you're going to purchase a practice, I would assume that for a period of time, I will do nothing. I will do nothing. I'm not changing things day one. Let's just say for a second, it's going to cost you between rent and per- the practice purchase, paying back the loan. I'm going to make up a number. Let's say it's $7,000 a month. If you know that if you maintain 80% of the business currently coming in, that you're going to make $15,000 a month, then my only goal in the beginning, that math works. I'm paying out seven. If I just do enough to keep 80% doing what they're doing, I can make 15. Well, now we're cooking, baby. And so before I go and totally turn this practice over, I just want to get a return or I want to pay back the money that that's owed. And again, guys, if you don't want to do that, if you don't want to run the practice the way it's been run, don't buy the practice. What's the point? What are you buying at that point? That's really silly. I wouldn't recommend that even in the least. The thing I read, and so let's go to the next point. The next thing that I would question is there was something in there about the son, another Cairo that was going to do rehab in the practice, and it wasn't stated in the email, but um, I would want to know what happened there. I'd want to know what happened there. Before I went in and, and spent a mortgage on a practice, why would his own son not stay to do the thing that you say you want to do? Sounds questionable to me. Now, it couldn't be not at all. The guy maybe wanted to live in a different town or his wife got transferred. I mean, who knows? It could be very innocuous and very innocent. But having the blueprint of the building and all of those type of things, that's great, but that's a lot of work. And if I'm a betting man in this situation, I would bet that the plans and the blueprints and the gym and all of that, it probably won't happen. I don't know how or why, but it sounds complicated. Now, it might happen, and I hope you proved me wrong, but let's just assume it doesn't happen. Would you still be okay with purchasing this practice? That's what I would ask second. Um, the next piece of this, right? Why, the question of purchasing a practice when this guy's still going to be there seeing his patients, then I would ask, what are you actually purchasing? Then it might just be, you might say, well, he gets 10 new patients a week that call in. Um, Okay, where do those patients go? Do they go to this guy if he's going to stay on? If he's going to stay on and see his patients, then what happens? Are you treating his overflow, people he can't see? Again, I don't know these details. But if I'm purchasing a practice and this guy's seeing the patients that you're purchasing, then I guess why are we buying the practice in the first place? So that's another sort of yellow flag that I have that I would want to explore. It sounds like this guy wants to stay around. And, and again, I, don't, I have no idea who this guy is. I wouldn't know him if he punched me in the face. Um, traditionally, traditionally, some of these older school chiros that worked by themselves for 30 years have a little bit of an ego, a little bit of an ego. And my concern would be if you bought this practice of which he owns the building and which his name is on the building, even if you're the guy and when he's there, He's going to be the guy. And so you bought the practice, but all of a sudden, nothing changed. Dr. Stan, let's call him, is still the man. Stan is the man. 
as I've seen many times, if you work by yourself for 30 years and you have the relationship with these clients and people are just calling you and you've never done marketing and you think people just come in to see you time and time again, over and over, like at some point you start drinking your own Kool-Aid. And my concern would be if I moved into that space, does this guy have an ego that can't even fit in his own building anymore? And how am I going to deal with that? Because that is not something that I'm signing up for. If I'm going to own a practice and buy a practice, one of the reasons is because I want autonomy and I want freedom and I don't have to deal with another owner or egomaniac in there. There's enough ego in there for just for one person. And so the guy owns the building, his name's on the building. He wants to stay and treat patients and blah, 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 blah. Concerning, very concerning to me. Uh, don't know the guy, but wouldn't be my first choice. Um, Beyond that, the practice is named after the guy. Guys out there, this is one of the reasons potentially not to name after the practice, though. Maybe not as big of a deal as we think. In my opinion, if it were me, if it were me, again, rule number one, in the beginning, change nothing. So if you buy the practice and rebrand it day one, then again, what are you buying? Part of what you're buying is the brand and the brand equity. If you're saying that people have been coming there for 30 years, you are buying that in theory, that people will still keep coming. And so in the beginning of of an investment, if I'm thinking about it, what I'm going to do is as little as possible to just make money. I'm going to do everything that he was doing before. I'm going to treat the way he was treating. I'm going to try to become that guy, at least for a period of time. I don't know how long that is. Is that six months, 12 months, 18 months? But remember the reason why you're buying the practice. Don't buy the practice if you don't want to do what that guy was doing. Now, growth conversations. This is where I think it gets a lot of fun. You know, I was talking to a buddy of mine uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, He's a chiropractor, but he's very, very handy. And he was talking to me about business and talking to me about how he just purchased a house. And it was interesting because as he was talking... Um, he was saying, you know, I bought this house. I don't know if we're going to be here forever, but it's in a good neighborhood. And, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to fix the kitchen and I'm going to do the mudroom and I'm going to, you know, fix the garage and all these type of things. And when I'm all, when it's all said and done, I think I get a couple hundred thousand more for this house. Essentially he was going to flip the house. And it was funny because later in the conversation we were talking about business and I said to him, you know, the way that you described the house about how like you could just look at it and say like, all right, if I just do this and this and this, it's going to be worth X amount more. He said, yeah. I said, that's how I think about business. And so in theory, this business that you're purchasing is just like that house. What are the things that I can do if in theoretical, if it was a stereo, if I could just turn the knobs, what are the knobs on this practice that I could turn to get my money back or get more money as fast as possible? How could I double the practice overnight? And so what I'm looking for there is opportunity. And so when you're saying that this guy never did any marketing, well, if you're doing zero marketing, theoretically, if you do any marketing, you should grow the practice. That would be a really quick way to quick win. He's a mix of cash insurance. And so let's say he's undercharging. Well, if new patients are 120 right now, well, the next new patient that calls, what if it's 150? And what if follow-up visits instead of them being 80 are now 95? What if we have packages instead of one-off sessions? If the PVA is six, what if it can be 10? Those are all sort of dials or levers that I can turn very, very quickly day one to just fix what's already there. Now, you might be asking, well, you're going back on what you said. You wouldn't change anything. I'm not talking about the existing patients. In theory, 
the new ones that are coming in, what can I do? How can I impact that business? You know, I talked to one practice owner a few weeks ago, um, another practice owner, and they told me they bought a practice in Ohio that was insurance-based and they were able to like double the practice because what they realized with the previous owner who had a really strong practice, she was underbilling a ton. Underbilling, which is also insurance fraud, by the way, but underbilling and not even billing for what they were doing. And so the collections per visit in a medium volume clinic went up 15, 20, 25 bucks per session. You know, that's $100 an hour at four patients an hour. And within a year, that practice took off. That would be a a quick lever that if I was looking at a business and evaluating it, uh, if I knew I could do that tomorrow, you know, obviously legally and ethically, that's a business that I'm going to purchase because I know I can dial it in very, very quickly and get and have the ability to kind of turn that thing around and make money soon make money fast. So what are the opportunities to help grow this thing? If it's a marketing plan, Google my business, email sequence, sales funnel, you know, PVA, lifetime value, all those different aspects of the practice that I'm just looking at. I'm looking at the numbers on paper. I'm thinking about it like a house that I can flip. You know, if this practice is doing 30 grand a month, if I do these three to five changes over the next year, can this practice be doing 50 grand a month without doing that much more? You know, that's a, uh, that's a four hundred thousand to an eight hundred thousand dollar business in a year. I mean, if I can do that, man, it's fantastic. What a turnaround! What an absolutely fantastic uh, investment that you've made. And so, I think there's a lot of factors here, and I think a lot of people are in this situation. But if I was going to sort of sum up everything that I that I'm talking about here, I would say this to my specific audience of rehab chiros that are in school or graduating or looking to purchase a practice. I think that if you are going to purchase a regular chiropractic practice, I just believe that what you're buying is you have to be willing to do that. You have to be willing to play that game for a period of time, you know, at least until you make your money out of it. And if you're not willing to do that and are going to change it tomorrow and do something totally different and completely turn the business upside down, just just ask yourself, why am I buying this? If you're buying it for stability or for income or something like that, and then you're going to flip it the next day, there's a chance it's a huge risk because you might turn away all the customers that you essentially bought. So that would be out of all of the things that we just talked about over the last 20 something minutes. To me, that's the number one thing is to look at this business and say, am I willing to do what was previously done with these patients? If I'm not willing to do that, don't buy the practice. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. And if you found this content valuable, here are four ways I can help you for free. One, grab a copy of my free guide, The Rehab Chiropractor's Checklist. You can get that at go.drjustinrabinowitz.com slash guide. That's go.drjustinrabinowitz.com slash guide. Two, go ahead and give me a follow on Instagram at Justin Rabinowitz, where I post business content. Three, subscribe to my weekly newsletter by sending me an email at coaching at strive to move.com. And four, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more influential people and bring those lessons back to you.